Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Goodbye, warm weather, my old friend. We've come back to Melbourne again. <laughs> and then while we were beaching, some removals from Sydney were sneezing. And we've ended up back in lockdown again. Not again. So now here's the sounds. The Two Vets Talk Pets podcast with too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and here is Dr. Lewis Garfunkel. <laughs> Very nice, mate. Who, who would have thought that a couch would carry COVID, hey? A couple of couches and a TV and, could bring so much grief. And and it's so often that removalists, go, like, I mean, can we, we were very careful with our amendment that we put in the last podcast to not be throwing sort of any sort of legal shade over um, any potential sort of uh, meat plants or anything like that. <laughs> Can we say anything about how weird it is that removalists will come from Sydney and deliver things to multiple places in the northern suburbs of Melbourne? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Just, just industries we just have no idea about. No idea about, it? Lewis. And for our overseas listeners, they uh, might be a bit confused. We uh, are in lockdown again here in in uh, Victoria, Melbourne. Victoria, no, Victoria. Victoria that, no, the Victoria. Whole, shut down so, the whole state. Yeah, yeah shut down the whole state. So in lockdown 5, 5.0, it's our fifth lockdown. And it's essentially we've got COVID into our state because a couple of removalists Drove down from New South Wales, who are unfortunately have got a lot of cases at the moment, um, yep. and brought with them COVID, and then just proceeded to go to I don't know McDonald's and just to it's all spread, different spread places throughout an apartment block, yes, and then and then it's true. ended up at the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, at the Carlton yeah. Geelong game, and yep. uh, ended up at the Rugby Union. It's ended up yes. in a couple of schools. It's 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 it is. We are in lockdown, and hopefully it won't be for long. But yeah, so. Mm. Not, fingers, not... fingers, fingers crossed. But uh, you know that when they start talking about the wheels of justice will turn on these removalists from Sydney, like, <laughs> well, I thought you guys had this worked out that yeah. this stuff wasn't going to happen, oh, no. and it hasn't, and that's oh, no. a bit frustrating. Oh, no. But how lucky that we got a bit of time away, mate. We got, oh. we got our, we got our tax funded. Our yes. podcast trip up to Port Douglas to record in the in the beautiful sunny climes, and then we we, we just got our holiday in, which is we, we are. I feel very lucky that I got to do that. I'm sure. Oh, mate, the, too. The, the fact that we managed to thread the needle of being able to get mm. up there and back yeah. uh, without there being any cases up there that then would have stopped us from being able to come back here um, yeah. or yeah, you know, that we were able to get up there. So yeah, we were very lucky when we were um, as we were coming back uh, on the, from the airport. And I've been a little bit sort of funny with not wanting to get, you know, sort of go around too many areas uh, having been at the airport. I want to give it a couple of days now that there's been so much more of it around. I just want to, you know, I'm sort of a little bit worried about the terminal four at Melbourne airport on Thursday afternoon might turn into, you know, right. a, bit well, of a, I, a bit of a hot spot. 
I did notice you're a bit tense, mate, and I, that does make a bit of sense because obviously you haven't been to the, like you know the local Chinese sort of massage air part, part, that sort of thing, just to get the the regular kind of tension, you know, just uh, just the massage that you, you normally get before the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Get uh, the I'm nerves out. Definitely tightly wound. You know, there's a that's <laughs> that, that is that is an absolute given, Lewis. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, you know, then it's like a spring. Isn't it, when they do the contact tracing, isn't it sort of lovely to not lovely, but interesting to try and sort of track where what other people's lives are like? You know, he's obviously caught the tram from here to there, he's gone to Young and Jackson's, he's had a couple of beers before the footy, yep. he's got back on the tram again, he's gone and sat in the members at the MCG, yeah, yep. then he's caught the train home, um, you know, and and this and that, he's gone to you know, whatever it is, and and uh, all these other people have gone to High Point, they've gone yep. to the piercing body shop at High yeah, Point, good. yeah, yeah, then they've gone to you know, they've gone to the reject shop, and then they've gone here and they've gone to this clothes shop, it's like some people's lives, I think was me it'd be just i've gone to work i've come home yes. uh, gone to bed yeah yeah yeah, no. yeah. We went for a jog and that was it you know? yeah yeah, that's right. yeah. If, if, if anyone else has been on my couch while i've been watching loki then yes you're <laughs> you're a tier one oh. it's a tier one site but otherwise no you're completely fine um, exactly don't get me started on loki mate i'm actually enjoying a bit of marvel there but we won't go into that because that will just go down a big rabbit hole and we're into more grit aren't we um so well, all, I, all, off, all I will say then is once you've finished watching Loki, there is a there is a but once you have there's a new seven minute special of the Simpsons and the Marvel Universe or you know um the good the bad and the right. Loki. Watch that it is much Jeff's kiss absolute right. Jeff's kiss fantastic. Um, so but what, how's Melbourne? Talk, what, oh, one thing I did want to say is isn't it funny how you keep on getting all these public toilets that end up being tier one places. You yes. know, and 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 it only ever seems to be the male public toilet areas that are that are tier one. Now that only that only means that it's just blokes that are going to the toilets, and they're actually not washing their hands like they should be, or you know maybe there's something else weird going on. I don't well, know. To be to be tier one, I think you have to have spent 15 minutes in the location. So that's not just your 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 uh, your in and out, is it? Really, it's your it's either it's well as a, as. A, married guys who i mean with I kids you, mate. sometimes with it's kids. the only the only yeah. point of respite you're out at the shopping center you know there's a lot of shopping going on not my favorite thing i'll just duck in here for just you know 16 minutes of free time yep and then bang there it is i've been busted damn <laughs> damn it there we go <laughs> All right, listeners. As we, uh, as as the the news, the news hounds keep on pounding us out with a lot more information. We keep on getting updates when it comes to the uh, the, the Victorian toxic meat saga. So, Lewis, it's time to interject again from the from the present into the past of the of the podcast that we've recorded to give our listeners the up-to-date information. Well, mate, you can't say you're not getting it straight from the horse's mouth, can you, mate? When you're, you're getting these addendums. Oh, no, I, ev- I see what you did there, mate. E- very, e- every, very every week on the, on the knackery meat scandal. Yes, yeah, you can't you can't say the horse is bolted. You're getting straight from the mouth here if you if you're listening to to this addendum. Absolutely, we're we leaving we, that bit in. 
Yeah, well, well, you, you probably. Yeah, I think we can. Uh, I think you can. So, um, <laughs> so, so, we're just to give everyone a bit of an update on on where we're at. So, we're the the articles that we're going to be uh, talking about here, are written by Emma Field, and they're on um, the abc.net.au website. This is one from. Um, so we just go back in back in time a little bit, Lewis, in our. Uh, uh, in, in our way back machine. Um, so this is from the, the 21st of uh, Wednesday, the 21st of July. Um, uh, Victorian dog deaths caused by indespecine toxin from a native plant, but the link to food is still unclear. So in this article, we talk about Victorian authorities have revealed that a toxin found in a native plant is the cause of 14 dog deaths in the state. Last week, Agriculture Victoria issued a pet food outbreak alert, ordering people not to feed their pets meat sourced from eastern Victoria while the matter was being investigated. Agriculture Victoria says 45 dogs have been treated for liver toxicity with links identified to the raw meat all the animals had eaten. Today, Prime Safe and Agriculture Victoria announced indospecine as the cause of the animal's liver failure, which is from a native plant of the indigo fera species. Indospecine toxicity has never been reported in Victoria, but it has been reported in Northern Australia and Western Australia, which back in those previous ones, it was actually um, dogs that were eating, uh, eating contaminated horse meat in Alice Springs about 10 years ago. And camel meat too. Up and in and camel meat too. Yeah, 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 um, yeah um, sort of a wild camel meat. Um, dogs are especially sensitive to this toxin, the authority said in a statement. At this stage, the investigation has no conclusive evidence of how the dogs have ingested the toxin with pet food sources remaining a primary focus. Yesterday, the Mafra District Knackery, which also trades as Backman's Meats and Backman Greyhound Supplies in Seaford, issued a voluntary recall on all pet food labelled Backman's Greyhound Supplies Chopped and Mafra Knackery Chopped. It came four days after Agriculture Victoria issued a statewide pet food alert to warn pet owners to stop feeding animals fresh or frozen raw pet meat sourced from Gippsland between May 31 and July 3rd. So Australia, uh, Agriculture Victoria had been made aware of 45 cases of dogs of which 14 have died, suffering from severe liver disease in the Bairnsdale, Terrelgan and Frankston areas. All affected dogs were young, healthy and vaccinated. So yeah. that was the information that we had on Wednesday. So finally, we had a, a cause. We knew that it was indespecine toxin, but we still didn't know where it was coming from. So then fast forward to yesterday. So this is going to be an article that was, uh, that was posted at 7.58 on the 23rd, uh, Friday the 23rd. Victorian Knackery expands meat recall as toxic plant pet deaths probe continues. An Eastern Victorian pet food supplier linked to a cluster of dogs deaths has expanded its voluntary meat recall to include horse meat. It wow. comes a day after Victorian authorities revealed the toxin, which caused 15 pet dog deaths and 49 hospitalizations, was found in a native plant foreign to Victoria. It is believed that the dogs died after eating meat from animals that had eaten the plant. One common link with all the animals affected by liver disease was that they all ate meat from the Mafra District Knackery, which on Tuesday recalled its raw chopped pet food, which was understood to be a brief a beef product. However, late yesterday, the Knackery's director issued another voluntary recall on all its meat sold between May 31st to July 3rd, 2021, including horse, mints, and Knackery kennel meat, as well as Backman's Greyhound Supplies mints and kennel meats. 
The company said the meat supplied in this time period included meat intended for human consumption and export, but due to COVID travel restrictions was sold to us for pet food manufacture. We have been able to identify overnight a one-off purchase of animals for the knackery that we understand may have been in an area with the toxic toxic native plant, the Mafra District Knackery Director, Karen Backman's statement said. So, wow. There we go. So, so the so then so if I if I an animal to be infected with the species of or to eat in the indo indigo fera plant, I mean, is it is in Gippsland, but it's not the to- toxic one. The only toxic one is in the northern territory or in the warmer parts. I think Western Australia, that sort of thing. So, this meat somewhere has come from hasn't come from Gippsland. It would seem that would be well, the inference there. I would have thought. Well, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So what they're what they're looking at trying to work out. So while yeah, Indigo Fera. So that there's a little picture down here where Indigo Fera australis is native to Gippsland, but different from the tropical Indigo Fera species plants known to co- known to cause the animal deaths from the Indo species toxin. Um, for, and wow. Further down in the article, it goes on to say, Ms. Backman said they didn't know the toxin was in the pet meat at the time the dogs became ill, but we're recalling all of our fresh meat products from this period as a precaution. She did not specif- specify which meat they were concerned about, which contained the toxin, but said that camel meat is not used and has never been used in their products. Right. There's so many questions there, mate, for me. There's just so much... And so, and much so few going questions on. that we can ask. Oh, no. And get answers for too, really. Yes. Oh, but I think we will get the answers with time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, I think the thing that I get is, is if you go to the shop that's selling this meat, is there a line that's a horse, that's a horse pet food? There must be, because I've, I've never seen that, but there must be perhaps owners out there who are, is is this specifically horse meat, or is it potentially meat that's incorrectly labelled? I don't, I can't really work so, it out. So I, I think that's, I think that's the that's the million dollar question there, Lewis. Is that is it is it that people have been uh, specifically feeding their animals horse meat? I think the that most of the people, from what I gathered, is that they thought that they were feeding beef because right. that's what the initial uh, recalls were yes. on. Were on were on chopped beef, and then yes. chopped beef got changed to chopped meat, and now it's being called, you know, yet yeah, knacker, knackery, knackery meat and knackery meat. kennel meat. So I think the oh, yeah. that we're 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 sort of diverging on the specificity of the specificity of specificity of the origin of the animal that's actually. Gave the the gave wow. the meat. Wow, I mean it's a horrible situation, mate. I mean dogs dogs have died. It's terrible. It's absolutely yes. horrific. You know, pets pets have died. But I wonder how the average listener out there thinks about feeding their beloved pet horse meat. In well, theory, so, I mean that's uh, that's yeah. to me that's just shocking. Like you know, of all, yeah, it's terrible. The dogs have died, and that's a shocking part of it. But then there's all this. You know, where does the meat come from? What what is the meat? You know, um, and it must really. There's a lot of lot of push for people to feeding raw raw pet foods, but do you really know where it's coming from? Well, and that's the thing. You know, um, there's there's got to be a reason for why people have chosen to feed this food. And I think in the end, it's going to come down to cost. Right. You, know, you you know that you can go to you know your 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 boutique uh, butcher, you know, in the the main street of your of your high street shops, um, and get five kilograms of, of diced beef, knowing that it is 
diced beef and knowing yeah. that it is fit for human consumption, then it probably doesn't have uh, interspecies and uh, toxin in that. Well, well, you would hope that, that it wouldn't yes. have, but um, it's going to have horse or horse in there either. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to cost you, you know, um, twenty dollars a kilo. Yes. You know, so yes. so your bag your bag of meat's going to cost you a hundred bucks. Um, so I think that's the um, uh, I guess. If you're looking at two hamburgers and one one's a hamburger that costs you two dollars and the other hamburger costs you twenty dollars, you've got to look and think, right, well, what's the difference in the cost here? You know, so if you're getting something for really cheap, well, what are the origins of that meat? Um, I actually sent a um a, an email out to um all of our clients uh, during the week saying that you know on the back of this, um, if you're feeding your animal raw pet food you need to be able to ring up your supplier yeah. and be able to get them to tell you exactly, exactly yeah. where it has come from yeah. and exactly what it is. And if there is any doubt, if they cannot tell you within a, you know, de definitively that it has not come from there, do not feed it, throw it exactly. out. It is not, yeah. it's just not worth the risk. It is just not worth it. So, and, and I think it even, even goes to that point of if, you know, you really want to be, careful you have to and you want to feed the raw food and that includes frozen raw food as well there's no indication that freezing the food will kill the um the endospecin toxin right. um you need to use human grade meats essentially yes. if yep. you want like you said want to be certain but that then brings up the whole thing of you know you taking food away from the human food chain yep. to feed our pets so there's some ethic issues there as well so wow mate it's um it's certainly a developing story, isn't it? We keep a addendum an addendum on addendum and yes. every week we'll still bring you addendums. Yes, yes. Um and mm. and so just as a as a as a then a sizzle for um for for, for next week's podcast that we're gonna be recording next week. Well, 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 we'll record now, but then we'll put another addendum in that. Um the main reason Thanks. why I actually sent a um sent a, a thing out to my clients this week was because I actually had a suspected case of it. So oh, wow. Um so I'll oh, I'll mate. go into more detail of that case uh next week because no doubt we'll have some more information on that then. Right. Oh well mate. Okay. Well so yeah, there you go, listeners. That's a that's the latest we've got at the moment. That's up to date on the twenty-fourth of the seventh. So um if anything different comes, then stay tuned. But uh let's get back to the podcast. Anyway, grit, mate. Got to get back to it. How's grit. Melvin? How's Melvin? Melvin? How's your cat? Well, so speaking of grit, um, yeah, look, he's, he's doing very well. Um, yeah, we went and picked him up uh, when we came home from uh, the last the last two days when we we're up in Queensland. It was um, every about every four hours, Camille was going, I want to see Melly. Oh, when geez. can we get back and see Melly? I said, well, it's actually lucky the nurses are putting him on the plane and flying him up to Cairns. We're going to go and get him from Cairns, put him back on the plane to go back in. Really? I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to see him in two days. We'll go and get him in two days. Yeah. So, um, so we went and picked him up on Thursday and, oh, mate, he's as happy as a lark. So right. you know, running around, eating well. He's got a, um, a very you know, interesting um, you know, uh, ultrasound patterned alopecia on his, uh, on his tummy from where he's, had the, uh, where he's had the ultrasound. The hair's not growing back too quickly. But he's eating well. He's bright Great. and happy. He's back sleeping on Camille's bed. Wants to go outside. So he's doing absolutely brilliantly. Um, so now he, he's uh, for all the 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 angst and and the and the and the terror that we felt of leaving a cat that 
wasn't eating and possibly had mm. necrosis of the gastric wall uh, on uh, on the when we left to port go to Port Douglas. Nah, now all, everything all seems to be uh, all seems to be great. Um, Parker's come back shedding a, a, a cat and a half's worth of hair because he's been in the cattery at work. Um, he hasn't been spending any time on laps getting padded, so he is just a he, he's a cat and a half full of hair. So oh, he's, right. he's just leaving leaving tumbling tumbleweeds up and down the hallway. Right, and Rosie has Rosie. Yeah, she Your seems dog? like she's. Yeah, yeah. So Rosie seems like she's still doing well. She um, uh, you know, has uh, hasn't sold us under the bus. She hasn't tried jumping the fence to go and live with Jed anymore. So so that's good. She seems to have uh, stuck stuck with us, which is great. Good. Um, and she's due for her next dose of chemo. I was a little bit worried coming home, given that she's a week over overdue um, for a chemo dose. I was a little bit worried feeling those lymph nodes that they might have popped up because new listeners to the show, welcome. But um, Rosie's getting treatment for uh, for lymphoma, a cancer of the white blood cell. So quite a few months ago, we found that she had lymphoma, a big, huge, big lymph nodes. So we started uh, started on chemo, but ordered some more Dr. Ruberson uh, uh, yesterday. So she'll be getting marinated with that during the week. Excellent. And if you're new on Patreon, welcome too. Because you're getting this, you're getting this a week early. So oh. go to pa- Patreon, and you can you can be listening to us a week early. Speaking of COVID stuff, it's interesting. I had a um, had a consult this week. Uh, look, it wasn't. Uh, it's uh, it was euthanasia in the end, um, which is you know never never obviously our most enjoyable things to do. But I guess sometimes I talk about it being the the final gift that that we can give. And it was interesting. I saw the dog sort of one day, and it was an older dog. It was it yeah. was fairly unwell, and it came in with uh, with an older with one of the older sons sort of thing. And and we're only allowing one sort of person in the consult room. Mm. And you know, he said from the start, and I sort of looked at the dog and was like, well, we're looking a bit old. It's not so well, sort of like unwell, um, you know, had, had a few lumps and bumps on it and things. And, and uh, he said, oh, can my mum come in? I said, oh, not really. You know, no, you know, we've got we're small rooms here. Um, you know, mum can, maybe we can get her on the phone. Oh, mum's just in the waiting room. Okay. Well, well maybe, you know, we can get mum on the phone in the waiting room. And then uh, sort of a nurse came in and said, oh, mum's in the waiting room. Can she come in too? I was like, mm, oh, yeah, all right. I started looking at the dog. Yeah, okay, maybe we do need to have mum in here chatting as well. So I said, look, mum, yeah. we'll open the door of the consult room. You can stand outside in the corridor. And and so then, you know, examining the dog, we're talking with mum and and, and the old, older son, who, when I say older, he's in his 20s probably. Yeah, okay. Um, and examining the dog and I, yeah, we sort of did examination. I found there was a lump, a big lump in the liver. And I right. thought, oh, yeah, this is, is not looking so good. So then we went from, yeah, one person in the consult. I said, look, mum, come on into the consult room. I think we've got to have a little bit of a chat, sort of shut the door. Um, you know, I thought, you know, we had a bit of a temperature, a bit of a fever on the dog. So we did try a little bit of medication. I thought a bit of pain relief. Let's see if we can improve over the next 24 hours. I'll mm. see you tomorrow, you know, kind of thing. And so they came in the next day and, um, and uh, we weren't sure how we we're going to go. And so, both mum and son came into the consult room and, you know, we're trying to be COVID safe. It's a tiny little room we're yeah. in. And, uh, and I looked at the dog and examined. I said, look, it's not looking good guys. Unfortunately, we had to talk about quality of life and you know, mm. I think they were pretty prepared for it. And, and they sort of said, Oh, well, can my daughter come? Can I, I'm trying to get my daughter on the phone. Can she come for the euthanasia too? I'm like, gosh, you've got two people in here already. You know, it's not really COVID safe. A third person. All right. You know, yes, it's a euthanasia sort of thing. And, and so I said, look, I have to reschedule, you know, come in later at three o'clock. So they went off and, and came back and then they, um, you know, went to the consult room, whatever. And I came into the consult and it turned out it was four people, me, a nurse in this, what must only be a three meter by three meter room. Yeah. Just, and I was just like, you know, the things we do as vets 
to just give people, and it was it was really upsetting. It got quite warm in there. Everyone was quite emotional, and yeah, it went all smoothly and everything. But it just just makes me think that, you know, it's not ideal in a COVID environment to be doing that. But some of the things we do do as vets, we just do go over and above, don't we? Just to yeah, give that final send off. Yeah, we had that. Um, I think it was in our last lockdown, um, where again, yeah, we usually only had one person in in the consult room with us, and it was a euthanasia. And um, they said, "Look, yeah, can we have um, can we have the family come in?" That yeah, look, that's fine. You know, um, they they can come in. It turned out it was eight people. Yeah, wow, eight people yes. in the room. Yes. You know, it's like let's just take the table out. <laughs> you know, table out. Yeah. And so and so yeah. I mean, it's and it, and it is that thing of where you try and do what you can. And especially, I mean, it's for, for those situations, it's not like you're doing it for the, for the puppy vaccination or, you know, no. the, uh, you yeah. know, sort of the, the easy, easy stuff. It's, it is something that you, that you, it's good that we can do it, but you know, it, it is sort of stretching the, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're breaking the law. You well, know? Yeah, I know. Big, big well, yeah. Checking. Uh, yeah. Uh, COVID tracing, yeah. Uh, Port Melbourne Vet Clinic, uh, yeah. There were there were six people in a, in a room that was two by three meters. You know, yes, it's, uh, yeah. It's certainly not ideal. And of course, everyone's upset and crying, and masks are slipping down. And but, yeah, um, yeah. It's just just interesting. But on a on a different note, yes. Uh, the uh, the day after we recorded our, our part two of Port Douglas, yes. Um, last week, uh, the uh, interesting that um that we uh, met Deb and I walking on the beach at four mile beach where we've been swimming for most days. Yeah. Um, and, and the lifeguard came along in their little June buggy dr- driving on the beach saying, everyone sort of get out of the water, stop walking through the water. There's a croc in the oh. water at the beach well, where we've been swimming. So for all our overseas listeners, I mean, no, we don't have kangaroos going down the street. With, with we machine do. guns. Yeah, no, no. Who have crocs in the water. <laughs> so be careful. Just, uh, just gives us a good image. And I think I sent you the video, mate. They were fully 20 metres out from the shore, this five-metre croc just swam the whole full length of Four Mile Beach. Um, and, yep. you know, and the people on the beach, everyone's there looking at and pointing. And, you know, and it, was, it was incredible to see. That yeah. it was it was it was so close, and and then we're sort of like, well, you know, it's it's the morning. What happens in the afternoon? Like, you know, what what's interesting? So interesting. I'll let you know what happens in the afternoon. Well, no, no, it was interesting. <laughs> what the yeah, you know, we sort of you know talked to the lifeguard and said, well, what we do is is the uh, um after we haven't seen the croc anymore, after it's disappeared, gone wherever, we then set a timer for four hours, and four hours after that timer that we've last seen the crocodile, we open the beach again. I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. Four hours, that's interesting because I do know the crocodiles can hold their breath for seven hours. <laughs> so what you're giving us is four hours plus the croc an extra three hours just to swim along and just come back to where the flags are between the flags where everyone swims. The buffet ready. So I'm not sure how they get the four hours. Yeah, where does that come from? That's pretty arbitrary. Well, and I'm pretty sure that um, yeah. So when you sent me that picture um, that afternoon, after you and Deb had seen it that morning, yeah, Camille and I were out having a bit of a splash around in the uh, out of the beach, <laughs> further down away from the flags because oh. you know, oh yeah, no, we weren't at the flags. We were oh, down no. near the accommodation. We went out Ooh, there like we just rebels. come back from. Oh, we. <gasps> 
there are a little bit of waves there. And so I went out teaching her how to body surf and, you know, so yeah, well, we weren't 20 meters out, but we also weren't, um, you know, just in ankle deep water. Yes. We'd be able to see a big log with eyes coming along. So when you send me that photo, I actually didn't show the rest of the family for about three or four days. So I thought I don't want to completely put everyone off, even just from going to the beach. So yeah. Well, we did go back in um, that but, afternoon. I mean, typical Australians. Oh, you should be right, mate. We went back in. But there were a few jokes going around going, don't be the furthest one out. Don't be the yes. furthest one out. You know, and everyone's standing in knee-deep water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No well, we, um, after Camille and I, or when Camille and I were in having a swim, there, one of the uh, the old locals were um, came up for a chat um, and he was saying that they had a nippers carnival there um, last year or the year before or something like Ooh, that. Tasty. And so, and so at out at Port Douglas, because they've uh, they often get stingers, so they have a stinger net yes, up to try and yes. stop um, at stinger season, so that people don't get stung by the jellyfish. And um, they said that the that the nippers can't. Well, they had to swim out to one boy and around out to the next boy yep. and then back in again. And so they had the um, the seniors out there on the boards um, watching the kids come in. And so once the last kid had come through, they all looked out and then saw the guys on the boards standing up on the boards. And they said that yeah, there was just this croc. There was just standing there on the water, just as all the nippers had been swimming around. Oh. And so they're on their board. And then suddenly the croc's just gone down one meter and then completely lost it. Could not oh, see it's where it was at all. I think when you can't see them, that's that's potentially the concern. And I think it'd be going, oh, look at all those that tasty stuff caught in the net. Caught in that yeah, net there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. perfect. <laughs> it's in the net. I've caught you it. Beauty. Yeah. Um, well, and, well, yeah. And, and so, you know, when um, much, much to that thing, so we went up to Mossman Gorge um, and um, I borrowed Camille's goggles. So I swam across the, swam across the gorge. It's the first time I've actually swum in there after having been at the gorge for, um, you know, for a few times. Did, did you get bitten by the freshwater eel like I did? Did you go to I, the spot? I, d I didn't go to the spot, but I was swimming across yeah. and, and, you know, it's, like pr previously when I didn't have the goggles on, I swam out to the rock that was in the middle, held onto the rock, pulled Camille up on the rock, had some fun. Isn't that great? But then when it came back, I said, can I borrow your goggles? I just want to swim across the other side. And it's amazing how scarier it is when you're actually seeing what's <laughs> under the water rather yeah. than not seeing what's under the water. Because yes. suddenly you're swimming along and you're going, hang on, was that a log? Oh, no, what that move there? Oh, it was just a fish. And so I swam across the other side and, um, and I'm tr trying to scrabble on the rocks, trying to find my footing. And then suddenly something's just shot out, out from under the rocks. I go, oh, holy crap, what was that? It was a little turtle. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, nice. so and so I'm down over the other side and I've sort of waved to get Camille's uh, attention. And I made the, made the little turtle signal. And she's going, oh, and then, because and, Ruben wasn't swimming because he didn't want to get water in his ears. Yeah. And Ruben's trying to make sense. He's going, pick it up and bring it yeah. over. I go, I'm not picking it up and bringing it over. It's a poor little turtle. I'm yeah. not even going to be able to find it again anymore. Um, but yeah, it scared the crap out of me actually being able to see what was going on in the water there. So sometimes ignorance is bliss. Well, it's a bit different. Like when we went to, we went to that little swimming hole, you and I after yes. um, in the afternoon um, out of Port Douglas, a lovely little spot that we knew. And it was interesting when we got there, there, were, there weren't any, there was no one swimming. Yes, and yeah. Stephen, uh, Stella and I, all the girls, we've all swum in there before previously, but there was a, it was a moment where I went, there's no one swimming here. I kind of want someone to go in first. Yes. Yeah, and it was yeah. only when the, those um, those young ladies came down, they're having a birthday party or whatever, and they jumped in. I went, oh, it must be fine. Yeah. They haven't been eaten. We can go in there. There's no crocs in there today. And so getting in there, I must say, yeah, I had the goggles on too, and then and then I had the, uh, Stella's mask on. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of fish in there, definitely. A lot of little fish and turtles in that part too. Yes, but you're always yeah. thinking, is that a croc? Is that a good thing? Yeah. <laughs> 
Surely the crocs don't come up this far. The water's exactly. too cold. It's too cold. It's, wet, it's, too cold. It, it's <laughs> moving too fast. Yeah. They don't yeah. climb the rocks to get in here. There's no way. Yeah. Well, anyway. All righty. Well, big, uh, big thank you to our sponsor, Zilkeen. Big yes. uh, uh, supporter of the of the podcast. Uh, certainly helped to keep all our animals calm while we went on holidays. I had Olive on some Zilkeen uh, staying in the, in the cattery. I'm sure you had your... We had uh, um, Rosie on, Rosie. on some Zilkeen, didn't and, you? And we, well? and we actually use you, we use Zilkeen at the cattery at work. So any of the cats that come in that are a little bit uh, anxious or a little bit uppity, we've um, we've got a, a steady supply of Zilkeen that the nurses put in with their food every day. Great for those anxiety sort of situations, mild anxiety things like. Very like safe going, too, Lewis. So exactly. safe. Yeah, actually, I had someone on a Facebook group say my dog got, uh, got into the whole bottle of Zilkeen. Yeah. And ate them all. And wow. what, what are the likely side effects? And I made a little comment and said, well, they're probably going to be pretty chilled. Yes, yes. No, and apart from that, no issues. Maybe a little bit of diarrhea, but no issues at all. It's very no. safe medication. So thank no, you. No. You'd, thank you'd you have more problems of getting thing. you'd have more problems of getting issues from eating the bottle than what you would do from eating what was inside the bottle. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, you're right, definitely. And also a big thank you to to uh, to delicate care and cherish. Cherish, the, yes. Yeah, the new the new brand of, of food that I got I got a sample. Did you get a sample, mate, this week? Well, I, I, I haven't been back to work yet, so hopefully it's at work waiting oh, for me. Yeah, I got a fantastic sample, so I'm about to open that and and check it out and see how Olive enjoys the the Cherish brand food, which is made by the same group as Delicate Care. Um, but it's it's uh it's the premium product, but at a, a more affordable price, perhaps. Yeah. You know, um if you haven't got the the dog or cat that's got uh you know skin or stomach problems or you know you don't want the dental food then you can go with it with the cherish that, that you can get from your pet shop if you're wanting a uh the the the, the unleaded uh, uh version of a highly you know not not talking premium unleaded we're not talking the 98 octane you know one that, that your delicate care is which is the absolute rolls royce of rolls royces um if you're looking for something that is still got all the science and all the quality and all the um all the uh the oh what's the way the, the uh just the good stuff nutrients the yeah, but also food. the care the care of what's been gone into it you know the quality the quality control of knowing that you're getting a diet that's been made right and what it says on the packet is in the packet have a check out of Cherish. Exactly. Especially, I guess, you know, uh, um, it's um, it's an Australian-owned food too. So that, that's that's, that's Australian-made, really Australian. Well. Everything that can be um, sourced from Australia is in that bag of food. Exactly. And also a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you're listening to this a week early, congratulations. Hey, welcome, yeah. welcome to Thanks. Tenant. Thanks, thanks very, thanks very much for, for for your support. We um we certainly do. And if if you want to get the podcast a week early, then go to patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets, um, and you can uh, for two dollars a month, you can you can get it for for a week early and get the up to date grit. Yes, like what I'm going to talk about from the advertiser. Oh yes, yeah. What, what's happened? What's happened in the Adelaide advertiser? This is uh this is an article written by Caleb Bond, um, and it's about Jethro. A six-year-old Kelpie cross was being walked by his owner, Mallory Weber, through Anstey Hill Recreation Park on a Sunday when he sniffed out a brown deposit on the side of the path and began to eat it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ms. Weber said her pooch often liked to eat kangaroo dung huh? when on walks, but he's chowing it's down. But he was chowing down on this poo, and it wasn't kangaroo. And I was like, oh, my gosh, stop. It's disgusting. 
How did she know it wasn't kangaroo? Was it? Yeah, I, I don't want to know. What's that skip? No, that's not mine. I didn't do it. It wasn't. I wasn't. What's that? It's not, it's not yours. Okay. A few hours later, after she took Jethro home, he began to behave really weird. Oh. I wrapped up his bath really quickly. Less, less weird than what he, more weird than what he does when he usually eats kangaroo poo. That's right. He wasn't hopping around. No. He wasn't hopping, hopping around. His, his front legs didn't, didn't sort of shrink up T-Rex style. Yeah, I wrapped up his bath really quickly and put him in, in his bed and he was really flinchy and glitchy, like Ooh. I just bashed him or something. Right? Oh, jeez. Right? Well, okay. That's, a, right. that's gone the wrong way really quickly. Yeah. I didn't, didn't receive that coming. Wow. <laughs> it was horrible. Then all of a sudden he was out like a light. After right. waking him up and discovering he couldn't walk straight, she rushed him to the vet. The vet said he showed signs of cannabis consumption right. by dogs. Yep. And subjected him to Di- a... Uri- diagnosed by trying to feed him cheesels and twisties and seeing if he eats well, them. Well, subject him to a urine drug test, which was methamph- positive for methamphetamine and THC, the active chemical in marijuana. Whoa. Now they, do it, they do have a photo of Mallory and she, she's not your standard methamphetamine marijuana. So I, I'm User? pretty no. sure, pretty sure it's, it's related to the kangaroo. Incident. Oh, yes, the, the kangaroo was the one that, uh, that, that was loaded. <laughs> His vitals are really scary, Ms. Weber said. She stayed up all Sunday night checking on him every 30 minutes. Thankfully, Jethro made a full recovery, ate three packets of cheesels, seven pig's ears, and two bowls of ice cream with tomato sauce on recovery. Excellent. Yeah, and, oh. and, and watched uh, and, and <laughs> just, just watched Netflix over and over and rage. over again. Watch yeah. Rage all night. <laughs> no idea what they're talking about. Ms. Stone Weber Roses. Said, just listen Ms. to Weber's- Stone Roses on, on loop. Ms. Weber said it was bizarre that someone drugged up on meth and cannabis was pooping in the woods. Oh, the oh. closet. I yes, see. right. Yes. I see. So that was a subtle way of saying that wasn't kangaroo, kangaroo poo. No. Someone else had done a kangaroo. Yeah, right. Poo in the woods. She was unsure who would do such a thing. Well, clearly someone who's... Meth addict. Yeah. He's yeah. on meth. He's on... Cannabis and methamphetamine yeah. and busting to go to the toilet. But she said she's seen people camping in the park. Oh, despite right. Despite it being closed at night. Oh, yeah, right, well, I guess a bit of a public service announcement, mate. We do that a little bit on the show. Perhaps to all meth users out there, please remember to take poo bags. Take a shovel. Yeah. Poo bags with you and be responsible when you're at the park and doing the poo and pick up after yourself just that little poo bag we do say it often for dog owners please yes. do that but perhaps we need to expand it and to more breadth to include yes. meth users at the park as, as, as well I mean, how about how about vegans mate like if a vegan was 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 there and was absolutely busting because you know they're going to have have eaten a lot of fiber so there well, might be a fair bit of colonic work there would there would their poo be acceptable for jethro to have a bit of a munch on well, that'd be a voluminous. It's definitely not kangaroo sized if no. you're a vegan that's a scout in the a vegan meth addict. Is there such a <laughs> oh dear? Well they, well, they don't need their teeth if they're vegan because you know they don't have anything to actually chew. So, oh, sorry, sorry. Hello to all of our vegans. A lot of hello to all our, our vegan listeners out there that so, brush their teeth twice a day. Our stats on on uh on iPods, Apple iPods, mate. It's, it's for that little wedge of the pie that's for vegans. That's just gone it's down just to one percent. Gone from fifty percent of our listeners to one percent. 
It's just jumped in the the icy mountain waters of uh, of Mossman Gorge, and the uh, our, our vegan listenership has just just shrunk. Yeah, exactly. Now, also speaking of fish in the gorge that you yes. saw, how are you goldfish? <laughs> I saw this story too. Uh, how yeah, are they? Um, they they are they are still of normal size. Right, they're still yes, alive. Thank you. Yeah, they are. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're they're, still, they're, they're alive. pH is fine, so that's still, good. Yeah, it's good, mate. It's still, still in the tank. That's great because people. This is a story from the Washington from Washington Post, I think, for the age. Uh, the invasion begins innocently enough. A goldfish paddles the secluded waters of an at-home aquarium with yes. two young children, Camille and Reuben, minding yes. its own business. Disturbing no native habitats. No, the no. real trouble comes later Ooh. when the human who put it there decides it's time for a change. Right, it doesn't fit the decor anymore. Perhaps they need to go on a holiday. I don't know. Yes, when uh, not wanting to hurt the fish, but not wanting to keep it either, the pet's owners decide to release it into a local lake, pond, or waterway. The decision, experts say, is well-meaning but misguided and potentially harmful. Officials in Burnsville, a city about 25 kilometers south of Minneapolis in the US, demonstrated why late last week when they shared photographs of several massive goldfish that were recovered from a local lake. The discarded fish can swell and wreak havoc, the city warned. And they've got a photo here, and it's it's a beautiful goldfish. I mean, isn't, it a, about, isn't it a massive creature? You, you think about goldfish, you know, that they don't, Grow that big generally in your tank. They they often don't survive that well. This this goldfish, it's as big. I don't know how to describe it. It's as uh, the bloke is holding his hands, and it's two hands in length. It's huge. It's it's really really big, and it's a beautiful golden goldfish color. Yes, people don't realize you pet goldfish into ponds and don't please. Sorry. Start again. Please don't release your pet goldfish into ponds and lakes. The city wrote in a Twitter post, which had been liked and retweeted more than 15,000 times by Sunday night. They grow bigger than you think and and contribute to poor water quality by mucking up the bottom sediments and uprooting plants. Burnsville, along with neighborhood neighboring Apple Valley, began surveying the lake's goldfish population after residents complained of a possible infestation. Working with the company Carp Solutions, which specialise in controlling water pests, the city sent a team to investigate, and even it was surprised by the size of the fish it found. Far from being an innocuous domestic animal, a goldfish freed in freshwater is an invasive species, an organism that is introduced to an environment, can quickly reproduce, outcompete native species, and destroy a habitat. And even though they get less attention than invasive organisms such as Asian carp or zebra mussels, goldfish appear to be a growing problem in bodies of water across the United States, triggering warnings from government and around the world, triggering warnings from government officials in Virginia, Washington State, Australia, uh, Waverley. Waverley? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, beware. Yeah, Canada and elsewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Goldfish have the ability to drastically change water quality, which can have a cascade of impacts on plants and other animals, Ashling said. They are a major concern. They can live to be up to 25 years old. Whoa. So have you got a you got a succession plan lined up, mate? When uh, Yeah, but it's a long uh, way off in the future now. <laughs> well, you need to yeah. think, put them into your will or something, mate. 25 yeah. <laughs> years. <laughs> Weigh as much as 1.8 kilos and measure well over 30 centimetres long. 
Wow. How about that? Wow. Um, this is the way how they go in a beer batter. Well, no, nah, they're a bit, bit muddy, I think. I don't think yeah, they okay, taste yeah. a good carp. Yeah, it's not too yeah. tasty. People are trying to be nice, but they don't realise that goldfish can really have a lot of unintended consequences, Ashling said. Most people really care about their lakes and ponds, but you may be causing problems you weren't aware of if you let them go there. So if if you do think that the goldfish are getting too big, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, no. Is that, did they say anything in the article there about how long to leave them out in the front yard for before you flush them down the toilet? <laughs> out of the, that's, it reminds me, I think it reminds me of a, I had a goldfish consult once. Um, oh, I really? Cl- yeah, I did. And uh, the client rang up and I was like, oh, goldfish, really do I have to say? Oh, right. Yeah, right. I come in, book it in. So, you know, came in and, 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 uh, get and her to I, pay first and then and I'll I see said, them. Well, yeah, I said, the <laughs> only, they had in a bowl, of course. Put yeah. On, put it on the consult table and they've, they've got, you know, um, you know, I've got a bit of pro- ladies, like, got a bit of a problem with, with the goldfish. It's having seizures. Wow. I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. I sort of looked in the in the bowl and I've gone, sort of given it a bit of a look over and kind of, yep, you know, had a bit of a look. God, no, well, it seems seems fine to me. And she goes, no, no, hang on a second. I haven't taken it out of the bowl yet. <laughs> nice. There we go. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that's a that's a yeah, an asphyxiation style seizure. No, a seizure, a syncope, perhaps, style seizure. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Alrighty, on to the scam, I reckon. All right, all, the, all advice on this show is generally in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we missed anything or if you need any clarification. Yeah. Now, next last week, uh, we did put a bit of a call, last two weeks, we did put a call out while we were recording at Port Douglas. We put an Instagram post up and asked if there are any questions. We got to some of them on the on the shows, but we did get one from CFran73 and Tim. Yes. Not a question per se. Well, kind of is. I think I'm caught up on most of your episodes, but we'll love to hear you converse about CIRD or kennel cough, etc. Love heart. P.S. Would be great if you could possibly enable Deb to come on the podcast. Well, she so did that last we could... week. Did she come on? She did. Did she? She did. Yes. 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 So there you go. You've got two things answered in one. Well, that's wow, the second there one. There you go. It's like Christmas today. for you, C-Fran. But we have had Deb on a little bit. So uh, that hopefully that's uh, that's um, satiated your desire to hear Deb on the show. Again, as most people who ask questions seem to. Um, that, it's amazing. Did you, have, did you have a bit of a comment from uh, one of my, oh, no, not a vet nurse, not allowed to call her a vet nurse, one of my colleagues who. A trainee vet nurse say that uh, we seem to have the same questions from the same people on the podcast all the time. And all of them seem to ask to have Deb on the show more. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I hadn't yeah. noticed that. Had you noticed that, mate? Uh, not really, mate. I just, uh, I, I just, I just <laughs> deal with the podcast as they come along. I tend to not dwell on previous, uh, previous things, but this one with kennel cough, Absolutely, because we actually saw a bit of a flare-up of kennel cough around, certainly around the Mount Waverley area uh, before we went away. There was a bit of it going around in a few of the doggy daycare centres and around at the uh, the off-league dog parks. So we did have a run of dogs coming in with a, a canine infectious respiratory disease or canine cough or kennel cough or, you know. Or CERD, CURD. Which one is it? CURD. Yeah. So, CURD. you know. Like a lot of things that you've got different names for, it's just all the same thing, but it's, you know, we just don't have a, a, a decent name for what anyone wants to call it. So. Exactly. Not, not to be confused with what was done in the park by the Matthews. Uh, yeah, that, that, that definitely wasn't a curd. No, 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 it wasn't a curd. A kangaroo. To... <laughs> curd. <laughs> 
a kangaroo, a kangaroo meth turd. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so kennel cough is, um, it, it, kennel cough is, it's basically, it's more of a clinical sign than a disease, I guess, but it's spread by, um, you know, it's a, it's caused by a group of different organisms, viruses, bacteria that basically all cause the same thing, which is just a very infectious, but very sort of distinctive goose honk cough, you know, like a real sort of airway kind of cough. And, um, and, and see, Franny, you may have missed my previous, uh, you know, interpretive dance uh, associated version of the kennel cough. So prepare yourself. Here it goes. <coughs> <coughs> There you go. Thank that you. Is, I love the little hack at the end. I love it, mate. Perfect. Perfect. So just to, just for the listeners, how does that distinguish from perhaps a cough that's caused by heart failure? Do you do that one? Have you, is that in the repertoire or are you just a one man song? I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, um, the, I think the coughs with, uh, with heart failure coughs are often the same, but so it might be a little bit less of a terminal cough. The tracheal collapse is pretty similar, and so is chronic bronchitis. So, so kind of all of those things will all cause coughs about the same sort of way. It's so, those little, it's those little, <coughs> those are the ones that I get worried about because those are the ones like, oh, hang on, I don't like what those ones are going to be. So is it really helpful to know what it sounds like? Oh, not particularly, but it's just if it's a young dog, chances are it doesn't have heart failure or cancer or chronic bronchitis or a collapsing <laughs> trachea. So, um, so coffee, the, young dog, kennel cough. Kennel cough. Generally Most kennel likely. cough. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's generally what we call a self-limiting disease. So the dogs get it. Generally, they get better from it. And uh, yeah, back in the old days, you'd treat with antibiotics because it made you feel like you were doing something. Yes. But in reality, most of the time, it's a virus that's going to be causing it. Even if it is a bacteria, most of the time, the body's going to be able to clear it out. Unless you've got dogs that are not getting better, have a fever, if they're showing signs of, of, uh, of bronchitis or a bronchoalveolar disease, so they've got temperatures, it's mm. a much more moist cough, they're unwell, or you take an x-ray and you see there's changes in the lungs, those are dogs that need antibiotics. Maybe dogs that have got immune system uh, impairment. So if you've got a dog that's got you know, that's got heart disease or that's got Cushing's disease or diabetes or something like that. Those are probably dogs that aren't going to be able to kick over those coughs as well as what a younger dog would do. But um, the vast majority of the time, they'll get better without antibiotics. Exactly. And I think a common presentation, certainly with the cough, having a bit of a joke about it, but often as will think there's something stuck in the throat. Yes. It's, it's really that, uh, that sort of cough. And it's, it's very uh, almost, almost, I've never seen it. I think where something is stuck in the throat yeah. that's causing a, a pet to cough because if, if there's something stuck in the throat, there'll be a lot of salivation involved with that yeah. potentially, you know, just incessant coughing that just does not stop, which, which kennel cough can go on and on and on, but there's breaks in between where the dog, mm. you know, will, will not cough, but, um, but often it'll and keep if you've got, up at night too, the coughing. And if you've got a dog that's got something caught in their trachea, the trachea has got this funny job of where it usually allows oxygen into the lungs. And so if you've got something that's blocking the oxygen going into the lungs, you don't have a dog that's otherwise pretty happy and joyous yeah. coming into the, into the clinic. You've got a dog that's dying. Um, you know, uh, the thing I love when I do, when I do my, my, my cough with it, with an owner is the first two coughs that I do, they sit there, they, they get this look on their face of what the hell are you doing until I do the hack? And then they go, yes. Uh, and so it's at that point, I have to yeah. be honest, mate. I think the hack is is that that's your, that's the sealer. Uh, I was I was not convinced either 
until I heard the hack. I'm, I have to uh, admit that's that's your that's your pista resistance, definitely right uh, there, mate. If, if, as a tip for you, if you do want to do it in consults, you got to work on building up the saliva in the back of your throat with those first right. two coughs. So that hack sounds moist. So just work on that too. Otherwise it is inauthentic. Um, so, uh, so, but we do, we do put them on medication. You know, we, um, after we've checked them out, you know, if you, if you, we check, make sure the temperature is okay. Listen to their lungs, squeeze on the throat, get them to do a cough for us, do the liver test, offer a bit of liver. They eat beauty, you know, <laughs> No blockage there. I like um, it, the liver test. Nice. Liver test. You know, they pass the liver test. That's great. Yes. Um, then, then, yeah, we'll, we'll look at putting them on some cough suppressants. And there's varying amounts of cough suppressants and different things that you can use. You know, there's the there's the liquid with the – so the, the – um, Oh, what's the, what's the stuff? What's the, the – Benadryl, you mean, or something like that? No, Benadryl? no, that's a um, – trying to think, a Linktol. Linktol. Oh, Linktol, yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Which, which is a pain in the bum to give and, you know, sometimes I think is not all that effectual. Uh, we use a bit of codeine for it um, to try and help to suppress the cough. Um, if the dogs come in and they're really worked up, I'll often give them an injection of butorphanol. It's an opiate that can um, help to reduce down the cough sensation, but it also sedates them a little bit. So if the dogs have just been coughing like mad, they go home and have a nice sleep, which is good. Um, and uh, if the dogs are still coughing a lot and there's no infection there. Sometimes I do need some prednisolone as well, just to help yeah. to try and reduce down the inflammation there, which um, yeah, I've had, I've had more dogs that I've needed to treat with prednisolone for kennel cough this year than what I have ever before. Wow. Like it's only been a few, but it's more than what I've ever had to before. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think some yeah. people use non-steroidals as well uh, to, for the inflammation sometimes too. It's, it's, see, see, I, mm. um, I, I do, but then it's that hard thing of where if I do it, but then the cough's not getting better yeah. and I've got to use prednisolone, then yeah. I need to wait until I can actually yeah. give them the pred. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a it's a bit of a, oh, a juggle. Yeah. Which way do you go? It, and yeah. I mean, it is something we do vaccinate for. I don't know if you mentioned the vaccines, but um, didn't, it is. Didn't yet, no. Yeah, is is sort of a preventative is in the core vaccines that certainly we would recommend um in in inner city um sort of stuff and i i, I guess it you know you can still obviously catch um kennel cough in or canine cough as as, as it should be called because you don't just get it from the kennel mm. um and and certainly you can still catch it a bit. I sort of say it's a bit like, you know, um, you know, you vaccinated. It's not, not the same, but you vaccinated for the flu, but you can still get a cold kind yeah. of like that. I know they're different viruses, but, but certainly, you know, so you can be vaccinated for kennel cough, but you can still catch some sort of canine cough. And often I find it's not as severe if they've had a vaccination. Yeah. Generally, if they haven't had a vaccination, there's perhaps more chance that you, you're looking at a really flat dog that, uh, that that's not eating, that maybe even needs some hospitalization. And thankfully sort of in Port Melbourne, we don't see the lot because a lot of dogs are sort of vaccinated. vaccinated. So, so it is something, yeah, certainly that um, the, the vaccination certainly does help. And it's, it's a yearly vaccine that, that we certainly recommend doing. Um, and, but again, it's, it's generally a self-limiting disease, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. They do. They will get better from it. You just got to try and help to hold their hand for a little bit and try and suppress those signs. But it is important when, if you've got a dog with kennel cough to be looking for the signs of them getting worse. So if they are, if the cough is getting more frequent, more severe, the dogs are looking unwell, they're going off food, um, the cough sounding moist. If you've got clinical signs that are getting worse, the disease is getting worse. We need yep. to do something different. If you've yep. got clinical signs that are getting better, the disease is getting better. Um, but because it is infectious, you 
should keep keep your dog away from other dogs for um for a bit of a bit of time that's true they're definitely yeah spot on definitely all right well hopefully that uh that's answered uh your question c fran 73 and tim yes um we, we also got a another question from vet tech cafe podcast oh hey uh, yeah, welcome guys. We did do a collab with those guys a while ago. So nice to hear from you. Um, they say, miss you guys. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Yes, yes, we are doing well. All the best. Thank you. All the best to you too. Our question is, what are the differences in recording outside versus in studio? Also, ah. if at all possible, we would love to hear Deb, Deb on the on podcast, the podcast. Yes. a bit more. Perhaps we could do a collab with, with Deb again yeah. in the future because she sounds really um, good on the on the podcast. Excellent. Oh, th- there you go. To my trainee nurse, that was a different person asking that question. There you go. Not the same person, but they do ask for Deb as well, which is interesting. So thoughts, mate, on, uh, on uh, outside versus inside, in studio. Which okay. is basically just in our living rooms. So, 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 what I would what I would recommend if you're going to do a, a an outside broadcast is to try and find a much more comfortable log to sit on than what we did. Um, you know, our, our log was particularly uncomfortable, and we ended up getting quite a uh, you know quite quite the sore buttocks by the time we were finishing recording the second podcast because neither of us are very young anymore, Lewis. And so, you know, sitting down on a uh, on a hard palm tree uh, for a while was not great. Yeah, um, take a take a, a cushion, cushion, a, a cushion. Um, yes, because I, I think uh, you know certainly Robbie didn't find that his hemorrhoid cushion was perhaps supportive enough for the long record that we did do yeah no no thankfully the hemorrhoids didn't get any worse though for the yeah, for the right. time which is great right. uh, uh try, trying to find somewhere where you don't have uh, a whole lot of uh, young rugby league players that are looking at you uh, at two middle-aged men hiding up in the uh, behind the tree line uh talking into microphones that's that that, that i guess that's again a location thing that we, and you can control that when you're doing it in studio because you can make sure you have the the windows closed um yeah you know, um, had a, had a little bit of feedback that uh, that um, uh, people were amazed how good the sound quality was. I think oh, I know, which, which is really oh, good. I, and and a few people said that they could actually hear the waves in the background. So that's what we wanted too, which is and, nice. And how good was that that we weren't even there? What we doing? We're just holding a seashell up to the microphones. Fetch <laughs> the microphone, and you could really hear the ocean. <laughs> now I'd I'd listen to, and I go, man, you can actually hear the yeah, waves. It was lovely. It was great. It was, yeah. I, I think I think the big difference. I think it, it depends on your getting back a little bit serious it does depend on the equipment you use we've got some good mics we do have good headphones we do have a really good handheld zoom device so um yeah. so certainly uh using that seems to be made a big difference to us definitely We're well not- actually the, the the one thing that really made a big difference was putting the batteries in the right way in the zoom <laughs> it did help didn't it did help yeah. and if pressing talking, record yeah if we're talking about technical things yeah batteries in the right direction and pressing record huge difference and then don't drop all the equipment in the sand afterwards. That's no, a, don't do that. That's a, yeah. And then don't get home and go to get the mic out. And it's full of sand as well anyway, from, cause you haven't got it out. Anyway, we also got an email this yes. week. It's been a busy week. There's been a, got a lot of feedback from. Uh, wow. We're, we're, we're getting some, uh, we're, we're getting out there, Lewis. People are listening to us. This we is are, great. This was a, uh, Hey guys, this is an email we got. Hey guys, I was just out walking my dogs here in, Beautiful British Columbia, Canada. That's a beautiful oh. part of the world. Listening to your beach podcast and OMG. 
heard you give me a shout out for my YouTube comment. Yes. Now, just, to, just to back up, this was the YouTube comment about how beautiful your kitchen looked. Absolutely, how, yes. Christina was very impressed with that. <laughs> um, and, and this 47-year-old woman was giddier than when I met Keith Urban 14 years ago. <laughs> Australian as well. I S H star T U not. And I mean, (laughs) often, often say, mate, that as far as the podcasts go, you are a co-host to me, like Nicole Kidman is to Keith. So I can see the parallels there, mate. You know, absolutely. Yeah, in the end, that I'm much more talented than you. Yeah. Oh, you well, you've got longer legs too, as well, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've got all my Emmy awards. You know, you, you've just got a golden guitar. You know, you just you guys, get to sit on a chair with a rotating button. You guys are amazing, and I'm a practice manager, and you really make me smile, de-stress my life a little, even teach me. She says a little. Oh well, that's good. A little bit disappointing. I mean, you know, perhaps perhaps we Baby could do steps. some. Perhaps we could do some practice management podcasts and well, next week next week we'll do first first installment of of robbie's dr robbie's practice management tips we'll start with no more mr nice guy how's that right. sound mate yeah maybe we could talk about how, how your trainee vet nurse liked about being called a trainee vet nurse well maybe we can try her, that well i called her a vet nurse and she said no i'm not a vet nurse all oh, right that was so that, that was, was her, her own definition that right. was her yeah i was happy to call a vet nurse so yeah right so next week listen up for no more this, this nice guy. Or maybe how to fire your trainee vet nurse. Yeah. <laughs> how to wear your angry pants and still get a uh, and still still get a good Christmas present at the Christmas party. Exactly. Yeah. So oh good to hear. And I keep up the absolutely amazing work. Love you guys. Uh Krista. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for listening in in, in BC. And and on this she's accidentally put a put a little uh she's left her signature here and it's actually says uh uh, Dr. Christina Anderson. Oh, Anderton, all right. Yeah, Matt, Waverley, has... Matt Waverley. Hang on a second. Oh, oh, hang on. What? what? Hang on a second. And then she said, P.S. Um, if at all possible, I know I've just started sort of listening. Is it possible to have Deb? It was lovely to hear her on the show. Is it possible to have her a bit more in the future that uh, on the podcast? So, of course it is, Chris. Th- th- there's another different person with it. No question, but you know, with another. <laughs> But, but we'll also take that as a comment, Krista. Asking for Deb <laughs> on, on the show as well. And finally, we got one from, I think it's a final one, from Nick Tuna. I'm not sure. The big do you fish. Know do you know Nick I don't. Tuna? No, no, okay. no, no. Could you, I do now. Now we're, now we're bestest of friends. Yeah. yeah uh, common, she often comments, I think, which is lovely. G- g'day, Nick, Nick Tuna. I'm not sure. I guess your name's Nick. G'day, Nick. We'll say Nick. Uh, could you talk about poisoned cues in training? It seems a complicated balance of timing and intent. Um, and also, if possible, could you have De- Deb, Deb, Deb on the podcast? Another... Dot dot dot. Yeah, oh, have poisoned you seen cues. This, have you seen this one, mate? Yeah. Oh, you Deb get that on look on you get that look on your face, mate. Yeah. So well, poisoned no cues. Can see that? Except <laughs> on YouTube. We might be on YouTube this week. Check it out. So Deb yeah, sorry, podcast- Christy, you're going to miss out on the on the kitchen. The kids are watching The Simpsons, so I, I'm I'm just you've got the uh, the blank wall and the no lighting. <laughs> I know it's no beautiful kitchen, so and and no ring light. Where's the ring light, mate? Yeah, I've seen no- your eyes. There's no ring light. There's I've, no- I've got I've got, I've got this, the, these sort of white eyes that are like flaring up like a deer in the headlights. It's awesome. Well, there's no white white vets on Instagram today from you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So poison cues, I have no idea what that meant. So I had to, I think uh, Nick uh, thankfully did send me a link. Gave you a hint? Uh, 
to, to have a little bit of a look into where she got the idea from. And, and I, 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 I guess I'm not trying to hose it down too much, but I've been doing behavior for 15 or 20 years and I've never really heard of it before. So I, I'm not sure that it's a mainstream theory necessarily, yeah, okay. but this was, this, uh, a, a, um, uh, dogs, uh, from, from an Instagram group dog, underscore at heart who it's a common misunderstanding that once a dog in inverted commas knows a behavior and does not respond correctly, the dog should be corrected or punished. This is what they say on this post. However, when we use corrections combined with positive reinforcement, what we're really doing is creating poison cues and poisoning the environment. This means we're creating anxiety and uncertainty in our dogs because they're never quite sure whether a correction or reinforcer is coming. So, uh, I mean, I can go on. They give examples of poison, poison cues, but I think the thing that stopped me was I'm not a big fan of using corrections or punishment at yeah. all, really. So, uh, you know, you've, I, you've been trying to punish me for 160 episodes, mate. It hasn't worked once. And you keep coming back. Keep coming back. The idea of punishment is it decreases the probability of that behavior occurring in the future. Yes. And it's not working. You keep not working at all. 161. You still come back for more. Give me like more punishment. Bo- like a boomerang. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, I think poison cues, I feel like that somebody's just made up their own term. I know that's, that's, uh, that's all my- terms. All terms are made up, but that's yeah. just one that hasn't really caught on. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, if you're going to use punishment, then you're going to create anxiety anyway. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether it's a, whether you're combining it with, positive reinforcement but the 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 studies show that if you're using positive punishment or using corrections uh the studies show that that you're more likely to have a dog that's got anxiety you're more likely to have a dog that's that's uh showing potentially to show aggression um and and you're more likely to have a dog that's going to be less responsive to to your commands in the future so Mm. poison cues or not you know uh it's more about creating consistency and and yeah. if you're consistently consistently using positive reinforcement, if you're consistently there's a dog doing something you don't want to, for instance, it's jumping up on you, which is a classic one. Dog jumps up on you. A lot of owners perhaps have been taught to use corrections. You push the dog off, or you you tell the dog no, or you push it away, or you know you, even worse. Sometimes people talk about hitting the dog or standing on their toes, which is absolutely abhorrent. But if, you, if you're using positive reinforcement and you ignore the dog when it jumps up on you and you work from the other end, you teach the dog you want it to sit for food rewards and you're doing a lot of training that time, when it becomes that excitement time, you've got that background training. You can turn around, ask the dog to sit when it sits, then you reward it. There's no need to use corrections. You just mm. don't. You don't need it. And I think, you know, for, for you know, it's often more used these days. Poison cues would be the term balanced Training is often a little, little just a, a, what what trainers tend to use when they basically saying, yeah, I use punishment as well as using you know uh, positive reinforcement. Um, but it's balanced. Well, it makes it's it sound balanced. nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. It yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. So certainly, I much prefer that people were redirecting a dog. They're doing something they don't want them to do. It's barking at the front fence. We'll call them over and play with a ball with them. Redirect yeah. them. Do something else that, 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 that with them rather than. Than, than using um, corrections. And so I, I really didn't go much further. I'm sorry, Nick Tuner. I, I understand, you know, you wanted to know all about poison cues, but but whatever they're calling it, whatever it is, it, it involves using 
uh, it seems to uh, involve using punishment. I'm not sure at the end of it, they say, don't use punishment because it caused poison, poisoned, because uh, it is poisoning their environment. Yeah. But, but don't use punishment at all because it just straight out causes anxiety, regardless of what you're using positive reinforcement as well. Yeah. So use a, positive, use a positive cue, not a poison cue. Yeah, or an or a punishment cue exactly. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, and uh, and if you got a further follow up question, or or if you have any questions, you want to know about yes. you want to know about um um I don't know in <laughs> enrichment cues, something else. You want to make something up and ask us a question. Yeah, let us know. Two vets talk pets. You find find out about more. You know, vegan kangaroo poo versus meth poo. You yeah, know, po- consumption in dogs. Oh, and and just in case anyone asks us the question. Look, eating possum poo is probably okay as long as it's not on meth. Mm. Possums on meth, you don't want to. You don't want to touch no, that. No, no, don't, no. Don't don't mess with the meth possums. Mess with the meth. Hello, possums. Ah, <laughs> oh, a bit of Dame Edna coming in. Is yes. that Dame Edna? Very just nice. Just a little bit. Just a sushi. Very nice. All righty. So yeah, if you so want to yeah. you want to listen to us a week early. Go to two vets. Uh, go to patreon.com, Two vets talk pets. You can hear us a week early for those lucky ones. Uh, if you have any questions, two vets talk pets at gmail.com. We are on Instagram. Oh, I'm going to put a, a picture up, uh, or have put a picture up of us in our little uh, pod cave when we we're on the Four Mile Beach at Port uh, Douglas in the in the beautiful um, tropic, tropical North Queensland. Exactly. Under under a palm tree ready to be hit by a coconut. Coconut, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Either either have a cock- crocodile take out our toes or have a coconut land on our bonces. And and neither and, of us have got enough protection on our head to try and protect us if a coconut falls on the on the melon. Exactly. And go to Mossum Gorge where you can be bit by an eel. But to all the non-Australian listeners, those in BC, Canada, yes. come out to Australia. It's safe. There's no not many so crocs in the water. No, no, no coconuts. There's no, no eels to bite you. I, I didn't find Any. a redback spider when I was cleaning out, out uh, leaves out my front gate. Yeah. Just before we went away on holiday. It definitely wasn't a redback spider that was the size of my thumbnail. Definitely wasn't. And we don't have sharks much. Not at all. No, not at all. out of the water anyway. No, yeah. no, no. No, but we're safe. So anyway, got any questions? We're on Facebook as well. Yes. Go up, go up and, and check out Robbie's ceiling fan page. Um, he's uh, getting a few subscribers is, on there is, lately. Here's is my light. I'll see nice. if I can get my light on there. Turn you upside. Look at that. Ooh, it's not a ceiling good. fan, but it's a it's a it's a nice nice ceiling rose. Very nice. Alrighty, guys. Scratch you later. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals lives be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes every time you do a small cute animal will receive a cuddle